Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and my guests today are identical twin filmmakers. It's Adama and Adon Ebo. They have a new film out called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It's written and directed by Adama, and Adon produced it. It stars Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown, and they are the first family and pastors of a Baptist megachurch in the South. It is out in theaters and streaming now. And without further ado, here's We're Interviewing Who? What was the most logistically challenging scene? The car pile up on the side of the road. Yeah. That's reasonable. It, it, was, it was a hot day. Um, we didn't have enough time. We only had the actor, those, uh, the specific little actor for X amount of days. And we had to shoot that scene both ways, both in the faux documentary style and the cinematic style. And it was, yeah, that was, um, it was that logistically, that was a trial. A nightmare. Yes. <laughs> It's funny, you said you don't have time. When does a shoot ever have time? Like, when is that? I feel like that isn't that the biggest luxury on any sort of... Never have time. So, similarly, what do you think the most emotionally challenging scene to get right was? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to say that it is the scene with uh, Sterling's character, Lee Curtis, in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and we, we got a lot of takes of that, and because there's just so much ebb and flow in what's going on in his performance where, yeah. you know, he starts off kind of being his, his usual, like his gregarious. usual gregarious with his usual bravado. But then you start to see like the hurt a little bit. And then you start to see something a little sinister as well. And so that one, I think just like the roller coaster, and, and, and Sterling does it in, in one take, <laughs> like it's a one shot, um, that, that whole bit. And so, um, uh, that one, I think, was the most emotionally uh, complex to find, but, you know, it's Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. I think I think Regina, in the mind makeup, when she, when she's explaining, when she's explaining, so. like, like, when she's, when, when she's, like, in disbelief that she's even doing this, it, it's similar to, to what Sterling did. Yeah, it's in a similar. And that, that she's, like, has a range of emotions in, in just the, that one scene. Back to back. Back to back to back. Yeah. Um, I, it was, that was a. Uh, that was the, there was a lot of talking like like I wrote I wrote a lot of dialogue <laughs> yeah yeah do you think there was one thing that was particularly catalytic to getting that scene right or was it just sort of like you know be, finding the right actors in the beginning was the key to being able to handle scenes like that with lots of dialogue I mean finding the right actors in the beginning was definitely tantamount for yeah. us um, because the the entire the film the entire film has a very specific tone to it um, so being able to do like almost slapstick comedy to the deeply dramatic to everything in between the dark dry stuff in between is not easy and so having actors who can do that and and are excited about the challenge was was really key you know a a lot of it was also just like hanging out and talking to each other but i think like on on the day for those scenes oh i would say adama checks in with them she checks in with actors after every single take and so i think that helps them that helps you guys craft what's happening together. yeah well something i i say and they're after involved every take, in it and not just like say performing. after every take is like how does that feel yeah and if it didn't feel right if there's something they want to change then we then we try it like i'm not i'm never beyond like wanting to try an actor's ideas and i always do at, at least for for a take and i think that helps us build and craft and so really getting to those moments i think just comes from from the conversation and the and true collaboration mm-hmm.
So I have a bunch of questions about the fact that you are siblings, because I'm, I'm really close with my sister, but she's four and a half years younger. And also, I feel like so often in film, it's like, oh, the, you know, the Cohen brothers and the, the, the Russo brothers, but we rarely get sisters. So this is such a delight. Adama, you went to UCLA, right? And Adon, you went to Northwestern Law? I did, yeah. I have to ask what the parents' reaction to those bifurcations of paths were. They were stressed out. They were, yeah, they they were not excited about that in the beginning. The plan was for the both of us to go to law school. And for years, like, yeah, we did, like, in middle school, we did, like, law camps and stuff like that. Like, it was always going to be law school. And I, to be fair, deviated at the very last moment. Like, the last semester of my senior year of college, I said I'm not going. And and I took the LSAT, even. I I, I really did set them up. Um, (laughs) Like, I was going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) So when then when it turned out eventually that you both came together and are working on films now, like how how does how does that sort of family conversation rectify where it's like, oh, just kidding, like we're all working on the same project now. It didn't matter which path we took. Yeah, I think by the time we start started working together, they were super into it. They were they were already Adama had already broken the ice, I think. <laughs> and the fact that I have a, a law degree, they were like, well, you know. You could yeah, always go do that. You can always go do that <laughs> if it doesn't work out. Exactly. So they were they were okay by then. And now they're super. Yeah. Yeah. My mother's a law professor and I went to film school. So I was just like, oh my God, it's like the two paths. <laughs> but it all ends in, it all ends in film. So it, it turns out great for everyone. <laughs> Both of our parents work in the medical field. So they were they were not My sure. dad is a doctor. <laughs> I'm a disappointment. <laughs> you know, black sheep, here we are. <laughs> you know, kind of bringing it back to the film a little bit, like one of the things I love is the pastor rivalry, but growing up and being so close, I would assume, and now working together, like, did you, was it you two, did you have rivals in the world? Were you each other's rivals for a while? Like, how does that dynamic play into it? Oh, we were never each other's never rivals. Never each other's rivals. Um, always, always. I figured, I was just like, there's a world, I guess, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> twins who are like, they're, we know twins. Who yeah, who are just like complete competitors with each other in everything yeah um but uh we grew up as a uh, jocks like we played sports constantly and year round and so competition was very uh known to us mm-hmm. and so we knew what it felt like to be in competition with with other folks we we knew what it was like to be like there can only be one we want to be the winner uh that sort of situation yeah. we're super familiar with we're gonna take a quick break and be right back and we're back what do you admire most about the the childses childses childs <laughs> couple? Like, what do you admire most about their character? I most admire the teamwork when it works. Yeah, like they are are like ride or dies for real. I think you know to a fault in a lot of ways. Um, but I admire when people are like, we are in this together. This is what we're doing together, and they neither one of them ever strays from that. Mm-hmm. Even when it gets at the toughest point, they're like, "We we are still going to be here. We're going to be here together yeah. for better or worse." Absolutely, I agree with that. When they're not in sync, you know, I, I I'm sure everyone is citing the "Amen versus Amen" moment. How how do you sort of bring that like shaking of a foundation into it while still like honoring this this you know loyalty to a fault you you balance it you balance the moments where you know it feels like they have it together where it feels like they're winning um you balance the moments of like being in sync and joy like that's 
basically enti- the entire purpose of the Nucky Few Bucks scene mm-hmm. is like they're in sync and also they're they're having a good time together. Like, yeah. oh, this is like the audience should feel like, oh, this is why this works. This yeah. is why they're still together. But then you have to at every turn undercut that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every time you see them work it working out or see them doing well, you, you gotta kinda take the legs out from underneath them. So uh, these are slightly broader questions, but have you ever felt represented on screen? And if so, when? I want to say hmm. um, probably, I, I, I'm going to say the first time I felt represented on screen was when um, I saw uh, Susie Carmichael's family on Rugrats and then number five in Codename Kid Next Door. Yeah, that's a both shout out to Shout Cree out Summer. to Cree Summers. She plays both of those those characters. That is a tough one. It's, it's I, I, the, the answers are not always, you know, it's it's a tough one for a lot of people, but I, I yeah, <laughs> I think especially for those ones was, of color. like yeah, yeah, but even then it was like, I think it was mostly physical representation and because the voice actor felt black, yeah. but a lot of it still felt like it was through, not through a black lens. For sure. Um, but I was like, I you know, a lot of times you're just so glad to see somebody who like you. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'll take it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I completely understand. That's, I mean, that's kind of where the root of the question comes from, right? Where especially for people who are making films that are deeply personal, it's like, oh no, it it might be you've just made the thing that other people feel represented on screen. And so, yeah, definitely. So I have another answer. It was later. It was in 2016. But when I first started watching the show Atlanta, it was a first oh sure completely represented. That's that's a good one. And you know, it probably helps that we're from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But- <laughs> sure. Thing about it, so, I was like, "This is the Atlanta I know. I know all of these people. Yeah. All of these characters are like." I was like, "I grew up with these folks. I went to high school with these folks." Uh, Atlanta, did. Atlanta is one hundred percent the right answer. Shout out to Donna Glover. Yes, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Growing up, who was your fi- favorite fictional character? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that's so hard. Favorite, favorite. Probably your favorites. It doesn't have to be your peak ultimate favorite. Okay. Cool. All right, uh, Daria. Ooh, Daria is a, a great one. I'm going to say um, Ginger from Is Told by Ginger. Yeah. Okay. A lot of animation. I know. Like I'm sensing a theme here. I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, uh, not always the answers I get, but what is the first, ooh, actually, this is a really good one because there's two of you. What is the first film that you remember seeing in theaters that you were the impetus for going to see? And is it the same for both of you or did you have more divergent tastes? That we were the impetus. Yeah, so it's like it's not like your parents were like, no, we're going to see this movie. You were like, oh, you know, can we please? I really need to see this. Everyone else is seeing it. You know, it looks so cool. You know, whatever it may. That is a good question. <sighs> like in good. like in theaters. Yeah, it was the go, movie going was such a like a family affair that it's, yeah. it's it's hard to for us anyway. It's hard to. I mean, we we made we made an event out of going to see uh, the Harry Potter films. That's true. We were like, oh yeah, that we were like, we were like, there is no, I don't care what anybody is doing. I was like, I don't care what's happening. When that movie drops, I will be there. And y'all from the first one on? From the, yeah, from, from the, the, from the, the first one. one. Yeah, from, but we were big fans of the book. So we were like, oh, we gotta, we will be there. We will be there. That's, yes. that's a good point. Harry yeah. Potter was one where we were like, rally the troops. Rally everyone. Yes, let's go. Were you able ever able to convince your parents to let you go to the midnight screenings? Yeah, yeah. as we got older. <laughs> as we got older. As we yeah, got older. Yeah. They were, you know, around, I think, high school, they started letting us go to the midnight screenings. 
Yeah. I, I had the same issue where I was just like, no, I must go. But I can't. Please, please stay up late and watch this movie that I must see. <laughs> like, and then it became the book launches, too. And I was old enough to go to a midnight book launches on my own. I was like, oh, this is I am a nerd. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to miss out on the. But everyone's going to have the book before me. I was not going to have that. I was like, we got to be at the midnight because then people are going to come to school and start talking. And start about talking it. about it. I don't know. That is, that is the great. My friends and I uh, brought headphones for the seventh book launch, and like, because yeah. we, we were afraid somebody was going to read the last page out and like spoil it and just be a dick. And so we, you know, literally oh. put headphones on, bought our books, and then ran to our respective dorms to <laughs> to read it all night. Oh, we! I would have. I would have fought somebody. Yeah, that's that is so that oh I cannot God. believe that would be anyone's instinct. Some people Nobody just chaos. did it, but you know, it was the, there was the fear. People do do stuff like that. It, it, the the fear is not born out of I think irrationality. Like yeah. I think it's like people do spoil things often. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to talk about because I love that you're both fans of animation and and like how does that influence your work? Because it's it's I it's a medium. It's not a genre, but. You know, it's it is <laughs> it is something that like I feel like there's a, a specific sort of writing style and cadence. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel it, it has any impact on the projects you you gravitate toward? I definitely do. Yeah. I think you know one of the biggest impacts it has is that uh, you know an animation. Um, you know, the the bar is like there is no bar. Yeah, like it's limitless. The, it's limitless, and so you can do literally anything you want to do. And it, it, I think it really inspires me to just like take big swings at things. Mm -hmm. Anything that seems like it would be visually weird or tonally weird. Um, so what? Yeah. Do it anyway. Totally. Uh, yeah. It was like someone, money. I think money is usually the, or money and time are the things that constrain <laughs> those. It is. Well, I, but I also think, you know, I, creative creatively people box themselves in a lot and i and you you don't have to it doesn't always take a lot of money to do something weird and out of the box yeah. um and i think animation almost consistently does that i also think uh, like animation if you read like animated scripts it forces you to like a lot of a lot of writers don't necessarily think visually in in a big way, but yeah. anime when writing an animated script, you have to you have to because you have you're literally you literally have to direct the the yeah. artist mm -hmm. artist on how you want a certain thing executed. Like yeah. it has to be on the page. Um, so I think it also brought it for us it, that it broadens our way of writing in that respect, and that in that we automatically think highly visually when we're writing. Yeah. What did you board for this film? Like, was there was there a boarding process that sort of mirrored that, or was this more? Dependent? Yeah, I didn't board really for this film. Um, I, th I I think I was told it wasn't in the budget. Um, <laughs> you know, it, was not. Um, it, it wasn't. But you know, my DP and I shot listed like crazy, and mm -hmm. like there were a lot of references used, mm -hmm. and you know, we both saw each scene extremely visually before we shot it. Yeah, got it. So my last question is. How do you define personal success now, and how has that changed from when you were younger? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I think from for like when I was younger, personal success was defined by how other people viewed me, like if other people viewed me as successful. Whereas now, I think particularly with the with the jobs we ended up having, and especially the positions that we're in now, we're getting a lot, like we can we, we can do almost whatever we want now. Like we, we're getting a lot of opportunities, but I don't think I, I personally will feel successful if it's not the right opportunity. And we're learning that. We're learning 
about saying no and only taking what's going to serve us the most creatively. And in that, I find the most success. I feel the most successful when I say yes to the right thing. Yeah. Um, I would say when I was younger, I I defined success by how much work I did and like, like how much I was grinding to get stuff done. Um, and now uh, I find success in rest. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I can, I can, you know, live um, the way that I, I'd like to live and create the way I would like to create, but still find those moments of peace and moments for myself and, and to recharge um, and, to, and most of the time to actually sleep and rest to me feels like success. Um, rest is a privilege. Rest is a privilege. Unfortunately. So many people, I want, the majority of the people in, in this country and definitely around the world don't get to rest. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's a byproduct of, of success. Is there a particular example of something that uh, made you realize that that is, is the kind of like your new measure of success? I think it was when we became full-time creatives, I wanted, I was so excited that I was no longer being an assistant. And shortly after film school, I actually had a, a job in creatively. Um, and, and, we that we were, and that we were able to do what we loved. We felt like we, we were being ungrateful if we didn't take on, if we didn't take on everything every that was thing. being asked of us. Yeah. Um, and, and then, and, but what I realized was that I was becoming unhappy and yeah. I'm like, all I ever wanted to do was this. And I'm, unhappy a lot of the time why is that and it's because i was overworking myself yeah but i mean kudos for the self-awareness uh, a t- yeah. tiny bonus question but i always like asking how do you relax like what's your favorite way to unwind uh, literally sleep like i yeah. like I, like napping is a sport to me it's one of my favorite things to do when i first started dating my partner i was like i believe in nap dates like we just Love get together dates. and like go to sleep um, but we also very much like, we, we're big, uh, we like to game, we're gamers, um, so we like to play video games, and I love I, reading manga. Yeah, I think manga specifically, so specifically shoujo manga. Yeah, it's just, there's something it's, about that that just feels just, like rest. It feels, it feels like relaxing. relaxing, yeah, which is weird because I don't typically like romance in any other medium, yeah. but I'll read, I read the hell out of shoujo manga. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Perhaps it's the layer of imagination that you get to add to it. Wait, what games are you playing right now? I also, Andre can probably interrupt us and like cut the time, but I'm curious, like what games are, what, what's on your current play? Oh my God. We uh, unfortunately don't get to play super often. And it's well, been, not in the way recently. that we, it's been like, pretty busy recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now I'm um, playing this, it's, it's this uh, Dutch indie game called Mutacione. Okay. And it's like uh, it's it's a very it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a soap opera almost like a drama but it's gorgeous and it's um, very much character based which I love. Yeah. I have a few things in rotation depending on my mood. Um, I'm finally playing uh, Spider Man Miles Morales oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's phenomenal. It's yeah. um, I'm playing this game called but it is a lot more like you know it's more active stakes are high. Yeah. Um, I'm playing this game called um, Haven, which is a lot more relaxing. It's like when I'm, I want to play, I want to play games, but I don't want to like be high octane about it. And then I'm playing, and both of those are on PlayStation 5. And then on my Switch, I'm playing this game called uh, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, which is kind of in between. Kind of in between. Oh, yeah. You like battle, you, you have your battles, but then you also are doing things like planting rice and like pulling weeds and stuff. It's like, it's, and that part of it is very also Pokemon Arceus, which is like open world. And I feel like a Pokemon trainer. It, it's I amazing. haven't played Arceus yet. Oh, it's amazing. 
Well, cool. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on the film. Thank you. Thank you so much. A huge thank you to Adama and Adan. Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul is out now. And if you liked this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.